Free Weed, episode number 42. Jackie Robinson, episode 42. So thank you to Win Strong and DJ Jacques. Check them out on SoundCloud. Check them out on Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. They made the song, and here we are with episode 42. Uh, Mike Hughes, co-host. Yes, I am here. Hello, Dan. Hello. Can you believe that we are doing our 42nd one of these? I'm excited about it. I think it's uh, it's going to be fun. We've got kind of a new little format just for this episode. Yeah. It's like we're innovators here. Yeah. And uh, we felt like, we were discussing it earlier, we felt like we had been neglecting questions from our listeners. So what did we decide to do? An all Q&A episode. It's just going to be grow questions like a uh, a podcast version of my column in high times magazine dear danko and uh yeah we're just going to answer questions and and uh, interact with our listeners who have sent us a ton of emails so we're we're psyched about that we get the tweets we get the facebook's uh the instagrammers and uh all of that stuff the vines you know all sorts of things we don't yeah. get too many vines google to be pluses we, i don't even know what that is it's very important now. okay great well right. anyway uh the point is we're going to be answering your questions this entire episode so uh that's very exciting and on top of that as if that was not enough of a feat we are also going to try to do this sucker on the fly so yeah you know Straight forgive through. us some some screw-ups here and there but we'll see what we could do so before yeah. we get started some big news came out today in the world of pod yeah, absolutely. This uh, Department of Justice memo talking about Washington and Colorado and sort of a hands-off approach from uh, the feds, which, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a big, it's a great sign. It's a, it's a big step forward. It's a uh, one small step for man's kind, but yet one giant leap for the uh, people who comply with those eight golden rules that they put into the memo boy that's a catchy saying (laughs) a regular neil armstrong should i make that more succinct yeah uh i think it's i think it's a great thing for cannabis legalization i think it's uh you know uh a huge step in the right direction yeah i mean the biggest news here is that pardon me the biggest news is that the justice department or the federal government is not going to file a suit to try to overturn the legalization laws that were passed by voters in Colorado and Washington. Right. And instead, basically, they're enforcing federal laws, um, eight of which that they stated basically, uh, you know, no distribution to minors, no uh, interstate distribution from state to state, which makes it federal. Uh, You know, a a number of other restrictions, no money going to cartels and and criminal gangs and things like that. you know, some vagarities, some things, you know, at the end, the last couple of paragraphs sort of, you know, is like takes it all back a little bit where they say, uh, you know, regardless of what we just said, 
we we still will do whatever the hell we want, yeah. which <clears throat> they're going to reserve the right be, to do what they. Yeah, have and to there do. will be selective uh, prosecution. You know, no doubt about that. So, so let, let me just read through some of the the eight uh, priorities of law enforcement that Dan was just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you covered the the cartels and interstate stuff and minors. Uh, there is also. Uh, preventing state-authorized marijuana activity from being used as a cover or pretext for the trafficking of other illegal drugs or illegal activity. It's stuff like that. Um, And basically, if any of those... uh, They're being asked to create uh, regulations that will protect those priorities. And if they're violated, the federal government reserves the right to come in and prosecute in those states. But... For the time being, it is good news the government is uh, the federal government is standing down and allowing the state laws to uh, go into effect, stay in yeah. effect. I mean, just the fact that they're talking about a regulated market for marijuana sales is astonishing, absolutely astonishing. So, uh, yeah, like I said, a step in the right direction, and you know, big news from a Department of Justice that's been <laughs> fairly silent to indifferent on the issue for a long, long time. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. I think it's great. We're about to go to Seattle for the High Times Cannabis Cup, our second time in the Pacific Northwest doing a Cannabis Cup. It's going to be incredible. We've got the Wamu Theater for that Saturday night. It's September 7th and 8th. If you want more information about that, go to medcancup.com. Uh, you can buy tickets. There's VIP tickets. There's something called a super VIP ticket, which I don't even know what that gets you, but uh, uh, it's all laid out there. If you use the promo code Danko, D-A-N-K-O, you will get 10% off your tickets. So uh, do that. That'll uh, that'll let my corporate overlords know that, uh, you know, the the podcast is, is helping uh, – <laughs> Helping our sales. There you go. <laughs> so let the corporate overlords know that Danko is actually... Lovable uh, corporate overlords. Oh, yeah. Not... Cuddly. Yeah. Kind and gentle. Okay. Well, you know what? We have just an absolute ton of, of listener questions. Uh, yes. I'm surrounded right now by about 36 pieces of paper that have questions on them. Before we jump into that, though, uh, why don't we talk about our first sponsor? Our first sponsor is BC Northern Lights. They have been with us for a very long time. They have been making grow boxes for a very long time. And uh, we just recently, right about now, we have our October issue out with our uh, grow box review that I wrote in High Times Magazine. And BC Northern Lights was the only uh, grow box company in there to get five out of five uh, Dankos or whatever you want to call them. Five. That's a lot of Dankos. Yeah. Five out of five. Well, you know, they are the Rolls Royce of grow boxes. You're going to pay a little more, but what you get is everything is automated, touchscreen technology. Uh, you know, uh, they make these things out of just sheet metal and, you know, these uh, uh, raw ingredients that show up at this factory in Vancouver, Canada. And it's just amazing what they do to create these amazing grow boxes. They roll around on wheels. Uh, and the, the other thing about them is there's all kinds of ways you can make them pay for themselves. You know, people think, oh, $3,500, $4,000. Yeah, two or three harvests, and that thing's paid for itself. And then everything else you're pulling out of there is pennies to the dollar of what you're paying, uh, even to a dispensary or, or particularly in the black market. And you can be doing that with, a, you know, six plants, ten plants, you know, nothing major something just tucked away in the back of the garage really so 
BC Northern Lights, thank you for sponsoring. Uh, their phone number, 888-236. Let's see. Oh, the suspense is killing me. 236? <laughs> 1266. 1266. 888-236-1266. BCNorthernLights.com. And they have some sort of special deal. If you mention free weed from Danny Danko, you mentioned the podcast. I think it's something like free nutrients for six months. And uh, $100 that, off shipping? Is that still in might, effect? Oh, maybe $100 off shipping. Just yeah. mention the podcast and, and they'll be happy to hear that we sent you there. And check out their grow boxes. They've got a bunch of different ones. Producer, the bloom box, the roommate, which is great. Four plants, you know, basically the size of a little tiny little fridge. All right, awesome. Check out BC Northern Lights, our first uh, sponsor, and that's great to hear from them. All right, so basically what we've done here with all these uh, questions from, from listeners, we sort of divided them into piles. Now, obviously, the largest pile is grow, various questions about grow, but we also have a pile, you know, about show ideas, because we asked for some show ideas and some product reviews, and what we got over there, this is uh, you know, activism, and we also have a pile of our regular listeners. What would you like to start with? What category? Um, let's start with some show ideas. Show ideas, okay. Excellent choice. Okay. So, uh, from Corey Bloomfield, who is one of our uh, original listeners, uh, Big fan of the show. He has been for, for as long as we've been doing it. What he wants us to do is dedicate an entire show to discussing nutrients. And uh, some of his nutrient ideas include uh, explaining silica, uh, which could increase drought resistance and strengthen cell walls. He's also interested in kelp. Um, what do you think about this, like dedicating more time to nutrients? Yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. Shout out to Corey. Sends us a lot of emails and uh, gives us a lot of support for the podcast. Um, silica is a great thing to add, particularly uh, in hydroponic applications where you're using grow rocks and things like that, where things there's a lot of runoff. Um, building those cell walls is important. Kelp is like, you know, a, a, a nutrient that's pretty much in a bunch of uh, almost any organic formulation of nutrients has uh, some form of seaweed or kelp involved in it uh, always a great nutrient even literally you can like go to the ocean and pull seaweed out of the ocean and uh, compost with the seaweed just have to rinse the salt off the uh, off the seaweed so just run it underwater for a while uh, to make sure it's not super salty from the ocean and then pop it right into your compost you can top dress uh, outdoor plants with it they they really love it and uh, so kelp is a great great nutrient very difficult to overfeed with something like that it's very very mellow organic nutrient and as far as uh, for show ideas yeah I mean we've done NPK I think at some point I did like the whole nitrogen potassium phosphorus um, you know descriptions of, of that and the micronutrients that you need uh, individual nutrients we did the lucas formula i think with craig one time with the uh, uh general hydroponics you know there's ev every nutrient company has uh, a nutrient chart that they put online my recommendation is usually to go with like half or less than what they recommend because they typically uh tend to encourage you to overfeed a little because they're trying to sell you nutrients so uh i always preach underfeeding so you know, not 
not malnourishing, but just staying on the lower side of the PPM scale in order just to not have too many salts and salt buildup and, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the ideas. Thanks for, uh, you know, the questions and thanks for all the support, Corey. Thank you. Okay, cool. Thank you, Corey, uh, for that question. Now let's, let's jump into a little more of a grow centric question. Sure. And you know what? We actually got several questions about this subject. So we kind of narrowed it down to one question that represents most of them. And it's from Salsa Verde. Salsa Verde writes, I don't reuse soil, but here's my question. Uh, since soilless mixes are all the rage, then hypothetically, wouldn't reusing soil not be a big deal? Of course, the beneficial microbes and built-in nutrients with the soil would be lacking, but that's how non-soil mediums are already, so uh, it seems easy enough to uh, compensate. I think this is a worthy question in regards to a budget grow. So what do you, what do you think about this, reusing soil? I don't recommend it indoors particularly. I'm Outdoors, not a big deal as long as you know how to replenish soil. Uh, indoors, basically, uh, I think you're better off just making new soil every time i don't uh i, I mean there's just a lot there's a lot of rotten roots that are going to be in there um causing issues any kind of diseases or pests that you might have had in your previous grow are going to come along for a ride on the new soil um you know it's difficult because some of the things have been depleted and some of the things are probably in abundance so it's just a tough mix and unless you're really an expert uh, I've definitely seen people reuse soil indoors successfully, but I think that, you know, they had, uh, they, it took them a while to learn to succeed that way. And it was mostly in like uh, large kind of raised bed situations indoors where it was a lot of soil and, you know, they would reuse, they would take out the root balls and uh, a lot of the root uh, area and then they'd be left with maybe 70% of whatever soil they started with, and then they'd put about 30% of new stuff in there, new soil, as well as all kinds of additives like green sand and guanos and things to replenish uh, the life of the soil. Like I said, I don't recommend it. Outdoors, I think, is a whole different story. You can grow outdoors and keep using the same soil as long as you keep adding uh compost and 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 using things like com aerated compost tea to make that a more uh living soil you can actually improve outdoor soil year after year after year until you really don't have to use any nutrients at all so uh yeah that's my take on reusing soil uh different for indoors and outdoors uh, as far as as different as night at night and day gotcha well there you go salsa verde hopefully that helps you out and sort of sticking in that vein, uh, let's go to Grant, who actually is a, is a regular listener of ours. Grant, he writes, hey, DD. Uh, he, he wants to know uh, also about uh, soil. This uh, soilless mediums, can they be reused or reused for more than one grow? So not the soil, but a soilless medium like, say, uh, rock wool, stuff like that. I'm going to go with no on that as well, unless there, it's grow rocks, you know, like the little... Uh, cocoa peat uh, expanded clay pellets that people can get um, typically like those you know those little orange balls that you can grow in you can basically you can take those and using really really hot water and hopefully some pressure as well 
you can clean a lot of that like you know root and and everything off of them and you can pretty much start with a neutral and sterile grow rock you you can reuse grow rocks um, several times uh, but rock wool no I would never reuse it there's too much uh, root material that just gets stuck inside there and and there's you know uh, algae that grows on rock wool and it's just not a, not a good good idea to reuse that and as far as you know um, cocoa or perlite or anything else like that I think you're better off just buying a new bag of whatever it is because even if it's 30 or 40 dollars a bag it's worth every penny in the end in in the lack of headaches that you'll have trying to deal with reusing something that's already gone through a full grow cycle all right so we're over two with recycling but grant has another question here except for the grow rocks like i said you can reuse those as long as you sterilize them properly uh several times there you go in hydro hydroponic ap- applications all right but how about this from grant is it okay to recycle the flush water and flush more than once with it for that grow that that seems odd yeah, I certain, certainly would not recommend recycling flush water. The whole point of flushing is to pull things out of your uh, soil or soilless mix or uh, hydroponic medium. So uh, you'd never really want to reuse it. You just want to do that with fresh uh, pH balanced uh, water with nothing added to it and over and over. Mm-hmm. Basically... Uh, there's, there is no reason at all to reuse the water that you've already flushed through your plants because, like I said, the reason you're flushing them is to get rid of whatever comes out in that water. Okay, so in, in your general life, you're yeah. all about reduce, reuse, recycle. But yeah. in these particular instances, just, just uh, don't do that. Yeah, okay. yeah. And also, it might not be a bad idea, uh, it's actually a great idea, to test... Uh, your flush water just to see what's coming out of it for parts per million and for pH fluctuations as well. All right, cool. Uh, thank you, Grant. I hope for that. I hope Dan's answer there helps. And also, I really appreciate the uh, the shout out to Mike at the end with three exclamation points. So there you go. <laughs> that was. Uh... We get great emails from uh, from listeners. I, I really we do. do. I do want to commend you guys on uh, communicating with us and and participating in this. Uh, podcast it's really exciting and it's, it, it keeps us going it does indeed Fortnite all right. to Fortnite. so here's one we were going we were talking about earlier and it piqued your interest so um i'm gonna do my best to to read it it's a little um a touch and go here but uh hey danny and mike my question is can i clone from mother and put it into flower then veg clone into mother and repeat that process over and over by veg every clone into another mother then flowering Will it lose any DNA in that? I did not follow that, but you did, <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, basically what he's talking about is known as genetic drift. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about genetic drift, a lot of people who believe that it does exist, a lot of people who will tell you that it does not exist. The truth of the matter is that genes are genes, you know. Um, they're in the mother, and they're passed down to the clone. The only other thing is is that any kind of stress or any kind of problems that happen with the mother are also passed down to the clone. So my idea of genetic drift isn't really genetic so much as it is based on, you know, a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy in a copy machine. Eventually, you're going to end up with one that's more flawed than the original because any of the flaws are passed down 
generation to generation through cloning and not through actual breeding where male pollen reaches a female flower and creates brand new genetics, new seeds with hybrid vigor. So, uh, you know, technically some people will tell you that it's genetic, but I'm telling you that it's actually based on environment and so that a stressed plant, a plant that's had, that's been overfed, a plant that's gone into flowering and been brought back into the vegetative stage, all of those stresses that have acted upon that plant are inherent in the genetics of the clone that you've taken from that plant. So there can be a drift, but I don't believe it's genetic. I believe it's basically hereditary in a way of environment that the plant has been in. Now, is that um, is that opinion or is that fact? Like, where, where do we stand with the science? It's nature versus nurture. It's yeah. nature versus nurture, and so it, it could be argued know, either way. It That's can be argued take. either way, but I mean, I'm saying that it's not so much a DNA issue as it is a, a matter of a clone inheriting whatever stresses its parent plant uh, encountered in its life, and that means its grandparent and its great grandparent, and so on. So. Uh, I do believe that, you know, you have to infuse our cannabis gene pool with new genetics at times and that clones will eventually get stale, particularly if the mother plants are abused in any way or suffer any kind of stress due to almost any kind of factor. All right. Sounds good to me. Greg, thank you for stimulating Danko's brain there. I didn't understand half of that little discourse, but I appreciate it anyhow. Let's jump from uh, some grow to a little bit of activism. I kind of like this letter here. Uh, Hey, Danny and Mike, I just wrote a a review for free weed on iTunes, uh, but I wanted to tell you a little something here. Um, I wanted to let you guys know that Arizona will be trying for cannabis legalization in 2014, and uh, I have petitions I'm currently gathering to get more uh, to get the measure on the ballot. So wish us luck. But we could do more than that. Uh, this is from Jenny and Ryan. We could do more than that because you, you put your, your website here. So we'd like to encourage people in Arizona to go to www.legalizeaz.com and go ahead and, and uh, get your signature on uh, get your signature to get that measure on the ballot. And let's legalize pot in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I think about this holder, uh, the Department of Justice memo, too, is it's only going to encourage other states to jump into this. Uh, burgeoning business, if only to keep a a neighboring state from profiting off of the business, you know, like, it's, it's a no brainer. So I do think that states like Arizona, and many others are going to be jumping into the legalization game very soon. And as polling would suggest, it's going to pass and it's going to happen. And so this could be, you know, one of those tipping points where things just go back, uh, to you know no return legalization is inevitable and it's going to happen sooner rather than later all right so legalizeaz.com thank you jenny and ryan for bringing that to our attention and uh going back to the grow we have another question real quick from uh grant who is a uh, a regular listener as we mentioned before now we're picking his question to talk about on air but we got many questions about this particular subject so this is just one of the examples he writes um online and in various books i have read conflicting info about when to harvest um what is the best time to harvest for peak thc and cbd concentration so just give us a, a good harvesting time basics here okay. uh, for to answer these questions that we're getting. No problem. Uh, 
you know, basically, a lot of people will tell you a lot of nonsense about uh, red hairs and uh, things like that, or when certain leaves turn certain colors. You can't pay attention to that. The, the harvest time of cannabis is determined by looking very, very, very closely, not with the naked eye, but using a loop or a microscope at the glandular trichome, which is what people call the crystals or, or uh, you know, that, that essential oil that is held within the gland head. Okay, there's a stalk and a head. It looks like a tiny little glowing clear mushroom that's, you know, and there's, and there's thousands of them all over every bud. You have to look at that gland head. It, for most of the flowering period, it's going to be clear as it's forming and uh, growing. And eventually it's going to start turning cloudy inside the middle of that gland head, which will eventually over time become amber, like amber, almost in the way that you look at, uh, you know, uh, shatter or something like, um, or something like in Jurassic Park where they catch those... Uh, mosquitoes in the, in in the, the amber yeah, yeah, yeah trapped in the amber yeah so that what you're looking DNA. for in my opinion for peak harvest is when most of those gland heads have turned cloudy some will be amber and some will be clear still but most of them are cloudy and not yet amber and that's typically peak harvest time and i will mention this again because m- many many of the samples that we get uh in cannabis cups are taken too early and i think that the inclination for most growers is, okay, you know, the breeder told me 90 days, I'm taking it down at 90 days. The truth is you have to really look because you could have lost a week or two uh, during flowering to some kind of a, a, an error that you might have made. And you really have to compensate for that and accommodate for that by checking out the gland head and only the gland head in order to determine peak ripeness. All right. That makes sense to me. Uh, hopefully that helps you guys, uh, Grant in particular, but everyone else who wrote in about when they ought to harvest their pot. Um, before we jump into our next sponsor, I uh, just want to say I have a recommendation for a future show topic, and I was thinking of it when you mentioned trichomes. Uh, we wanted to do pot peeves, which are, are, are little annoyances that we have in the world of <laughs> weed. And, and what's your, your problem with the way people say trichomes? Well, I've heard trichrome. Yeah. Okay. Just sticks in your craw. It's just it yeah. sounds bad, you know. Yeah. There's not th- there's not that extra R in there. Yeah. It's just trichomes and stra- uh, strains and strands. Strand. Is one. Yeah, yeah. I don't like when people say strand. There's a few of them. So that's 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 what I'm going to offer up for a future <laughs> show topic. But uh, Dan, why don't you tell us about our next sponsor? Well, our next sponsor is Power Pen, and this um, I mean these vape pens are all the rage these days. Uh, everybody's got a vape pen. I've seen them for a couple hundred dollars out there. Power Pen has a $50 vape pen, and it works perfectly. I, I use one. Uh, it's very discreet, very easy to load, very easy to uh, you know, get the battery power going, simple to operate, and it's 50 bucks with free shipping if you use promo code HIGHTIMES at Power dash pen.com literally $50 vape pen with free shipping I don't think you can really beat that if you look on the market most vape pens <laughs> I just dropped all my papers and distracted Dan <laughs> sorry go ahead continue it is a great vape pen and it works well too so we should just say that absolutely and I can vouch for it uh, you go to power dash p e n 
com, and there's a bunch of different ones. There's uh, black and white ones. There's a uh, pen packages. You can actually uh, power the battery with a USB cord right from your computer. So you can just be sitting on your computer and, uh, you know, loading up your vape pen. And, you know, these things are very discreet, and they're actually changing the way that people smoke in public. I mean, I've seen people using them in, in, in football stadiums and airports on the subway. It's like anywhere someone whips out an e-cigarette, people are using vape pens and, and, and nobody's any wiser. So, um, like I said, check out PowerPen, power-pen.com. Uh, use that promo code, high times, all one word, all capitalized. Um, and you get free shipping on a $50 vape pen. I mean, at some point, you know, that, that almost is like disposable, uh, compared to some of these other pricier pens. So check them out and thank them for the support as well for this podcast. Cause we love our sponsors and we hope that you support them as well. Yes. Do that, please. Uh, that is very helpful and it is a great pen. We, we use them here and, uh, we love them. So power pen. Okay. Uh, let's do a quick little shout-out from one of our regulars. Again, this is Corey, and he writes, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that I have burned every episode up to 38 uh, to a CD, and I make my employees listen to them. I can proudly say I have the most knowledgeable staff. So thank you, Corey. That's cool to know. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. There was another guy who was telling me that <clears throat> he had friends that didn't have computers, and he was literally taking our show and putting it on like cassette tapes and CDs for them. Uh, yeah, just share so they the can knowledge, get it out man. there. I think, I, just, I think that's amazing, and I really, truly appreciate uh, the love and support that you guys show us. And we love spreading free weed. That's what it's about. And ultimately, you know, pot for pennies. That's that's our thing, you know. I know some growers might get mad, but, dude, you know, grow more and share with friends. Indeed. Okay, so... We, we talked a little bit about cultivation, some of the soil stuff, some of the, uh, the cloning, that genetic drift section. Let's do a little smaller scale stuff. So I've got a couple of questions here that are about people who are, are growing on the smaller side of things, okay? First one is from Adam, and he writes, I'm starting to get the things I need together for my first ever grow. I plan to use strictly LED lights, so we'll, we'll get into that, but... Uh, my budget for the lights is about $500, and I was wondering if you could recommend a legit company to purchase them from. Also, do you have any beginner tips about using LEDs to grow? I only plan to grow one plant at first. However, uh, that could go up in the future, so he, he wants to be able to expand. But right now, he's growing one plant, he has 500 bucks, and he is uh, committed to using LEDs. Um, interesting. I mean, with the budget of $500, it's kind of tough to find... Um, an LED on the market at that price, that's amazing. Um, there are there are a few. I mean, there's the Stealth Crow, probably a little bit pricier, but um, maybe, you, you know, you can uh, dig a little deep and, and get yourself one of those. There's the Soul LED, S-O-L LED that you can get. And, um, you know, both of those are great LED lights. They're going to save you money in the long run as well. So, Look, if you buy it and it's a little bit more than what you budgeted in, think about it as saving money in the long run on electricity and heat because one of the cool things about LEDs is they don't create a lot of heat. Uh, it's kind of like fluorescence. You can put the, the lights v closer to the plant tops. Now, everybody who knows me knows I always recommend 
high intensity discharge lighting. I was just going to say, yeah. where do you stand on these LEDs? Yeah. I mean, I would say in this day right now, um, unless you have access to some of the, you know, top notch LED technology that's out there, which is actually still pretty expensive. Um, there's a video on YouTube where I visit an LED garden in Denver and they grow great bud with it. And we've had, you know, cannabis cup winning pot grown with LEDs. So it's not outside the realm of possibility to use LED lighting uh, in your favor. All I would say is, uh, you know, with your limited budget, you can, you could get yourself, uh, you know, 250 watt, a 400 watt, a 600 watt, um, depending on, you know, obviously if you're only growing one plant right now, I would say go with a 250 watt uh, high pressure sodium or metal halide uh, lighting, which is the high intensity discharge lighting. It's going to create a bit more heat, um, but it's still it'll be within your budget. And as long as you have a little bit left over uh, to exhaust some of that hot air out, I think you'll be all right. But if you're really intent on LEDs, you know, uh, do a little research. Make sure you don't, um, you know, get one that's bunk because a lot of the ones that are are cheap and affordable also tend to be uh you know obviously of the least quality and there's a lot of bunk leds coming out of uh asia and and places where they're being manufactured in bulk yeah so try to avoid that all right that's cool so now that was sort of the lighting uh aspect of a smaller scale grow for that gentleman but we have a uh and that was um who was that that was adam so thank you adam but we have a letter here from uh, Julie, and she writes, I have one plant. She's doing great, so I must be doing something right. My question is, do I need to pinch back my plant? The plant is uh, just shy of a foot tall, and it was started outside, but it's a house plant now. I plan on starting the 12-hour light-dark phase, so any advice is greatly appreciated. Okay, well, I'm assuming she's talking about pruning the plant, which I would not do right before you start the flowering period. I would give yourself at least a couple of weeks of a cushion because any pinching that you do, any pruning that you do is going to, the plant is gonna need to bounce back from it. So if you prune a branch uh, or a top and you want uh, the other branches to grow bigger, you have to give them time in the vegetative stage. So I would say no, no later, I, I wouldn't, top any closer to when you're going to flower than two weeks because that'll give your plants a chance to bounce back from your pruning and actually create branches upon which to build those flowers once you start the flowering period so if you have a couple of weeks to spare and you want to top your one foot plant and make it bush out a little bit and get more tops from it uh, by all means do but if you're really about to put the plant into flowering I think you're going to slow it down and you're going to have a smaller yield if you top it just before uh, putting it into 12-12 on-off uh, lighting cycle. Okay. <clears throat> Pardon me. Okay. Thank you, Julie, for that. So that was some small-scale info for you guys. Here's a little shout-out from Justin. Epic podcast. Hey, guys, I just wanted to say hello and thanks for such an amazing and perfectly broadcast podcast. Wow. Well, thank you. I'm not referring to one individually, but all of your work. This gentleman celebrates our entire catalog, Danko. Nice. Yeah, Thank you. It's nice. great to hear. But anyway, this is the cool part. Uh, thanks to you, Danny. No mention of me here, but uh, uh, thanks to you, Danny, 
for uploading the previous episodes. Listening to Free Weed has helped motivate me to get active with my local normal chapter and get these ridiculous laws changed. I'm 25 and in Virginia. I can't thank you both enough. Okay, there you go. There's me. Can't thank you both enough uh, for your knowledge and passion. So uh, thank you, Justin. That's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we truly appreciate it. And places like Virginia, you know, uh, we forget because we travel from, you know, Denver to Washington to California. And we forget that, you know, there's still parts of this country, including where we live, New York, where there's very little favorable marijuana law reform going on normal normal needs you in virginia yeah if you're in virginia and and you want to change the pot laws you should you should join normal they need you there absolutely and uh yeah i mean national normal and your local normal chapter for sure awesome well thank you justin that was very kind and uh, let's get back to some grow here uh hey dan and mike I really enjoy your show and your books, Dan. Books, plural. You've not written books, have you? One book. You've written a book. No, yeah, singular. Singular. The official High Times Field Guide to Marijuana Strains, available at headshop.hightimes.com. That's right, yeah. That's the only field guide to marijuana strains that I use. I love <laughs> nice. It. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it fits right in your pocket. So it if does. You're, it's if a you're good traveling book. in Amsterdam or Spain or California or Washington or... Oregon or It's pocket-sized, but it, it great color photos, really nice and glossy. It's a cool book, so pick that up if you want. Uh, anyway, back to Mike's question here. I recently heard about certain growers shocking their grow during the last two weeks to produce bigger, better, stickier buds. Uh, you've always recommended flushing during the last two weeks. I wonder if you've heard about this and uh, if you'd like to comment on what it means. Yes. Uh, I have heard of shocking plants. I I'm not a proponent of it. I don't really believe in it. Um, basically, the, the few things that I have heard involve uh, either putting a plant into complete darkness for, you know, 78 hours or something like that at the end of harvest uh, or, you know, dunking the roots in cold or hot water. There's all kinds of different, like, kind of shock tactics that people use. But I, I don't know. I just don't think it's necessary and I don't think it's helpful. Uh, flushing, however, is not a sh- really a shock tactic. I mean, it's it's literally just cleaning out uh, any of the excess uh, nutrients, um, you know, salts and metals and things like that uh, for a cleaner burn. Um, as far as the shock techniques, I really I've never seen them, you know, tested out side by side with non-shock techniques and then lab tested and things like that. That might be something interesting to try to do. But I don't believe that we need to, you know, freak out our plants for for any real reason like that, Um, particularly if it's something we're going to consume later. I mean, whatever you put in is what comes out. So, yeah, I would I would refrain from any kind of shock tactics when it comes to that last period of growth at the end of harvest, you know, at the end, right before you get to harvest. But I would not include flushing the plants with plain water. in the whole shocking the plants kind of category. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for bringing that up. It's an interesting topic, and it's one that we we haven't really covered here before, so that's cool. Absolutely. All right. So um, let's move on to another show idea, because, again, we did ask a, a couple episodes ago for people to send in ideas for interviews that they would like to hear on Free Weed and ideas for, you know, show topics. Yeah. So we got this one from John. Uh, he says right off the bat, I love the show. Uh, it's packed full of awesome. Nice. Yeah. 
Uh, he's been listening since the beginning. He does have one uh, little critique here. Uh, he, he feels like the volume is a little weak, and he's saying it, it's you. So I could hardly hear Danny. Maybe if he would stop trying to be so chill. <laughs> Mike, ah. Mike, I can hear perfectly clearly. Also, the phone calls are usually quiet. So uh, we'll, we'll try and work on that, evening stuff out a little bit. But thanks for bringing it to our attention. Anyway, yeah. uh, John <laughs> says he loves the episodes with panels of people and uh, all the helpful hints and tricks. And he, uh, he would like us to interview Jorge Cervantes and some of the other cup winners. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Now we did we did interview Jorge. Yeah, he's one of our first guests. We had him on uh, one of the earliest yeah, episodes for but sure. We'd like to have him on again. So oh, of course. Thank you. And uh, he also we got to says, see him at Seattle Hemp Fest uh, this year and uh, spend some time chatting, and that was really great. Yeah. And uh, two more interview suggestions. He says uh, maybe some glass blowers and uh, maybe someone who's trying to get seeds legal in the states. So what do you think of those ideas? Cool, man. I'm always down with glass blowers. I think. Uh, you know they they do incredible work, and I support the whole glass blowing industry, uh, particularly you know homegrown, you know North American hand blown glass. I mean that's you know that's our industry. It's one of our my, one of the things I've been pushing on on Twitter and Facebook actually lately is um, hashtag stoner owned and operated, which is basically a way for companies to identify themselves to us as being stoner owned and operated and us being able to support them over companies that are afraid either afraid to say it or just aren't stoner owned and operated so you know i do think as a community we do need to support our own more and that whether that means you know people making money from dispensaries putting some money into activism or something like you know just the consumer supporting stoner owned and operated companies and i think it's really cool when these company owners can come out and say hey i smoke but i'm a, I'm a, a responsible adult and i'm able to continue doing business i'm a you know i'm a productive pothead and i and i and that's what i want to support with my money makes sense to me i like that and you know what um this this letter uh, that we got here is a little bit long but speaking sort of, of, of what you're talking about with cannabis business and, uh, and people really invested in, in this movement. I think we have to read this. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. This is from uh, Andrew, and he writes, To the minstrels of cannabis at Free Weed, which I kind of like. <laughs> uh, my name is Drew. I'm an Oklahoma college kid trying to discern his life path. Lately, I've been trying to explore my opportunities, uh, my employment opportunities, I've been finding little reprieve in any industry due to my disabilities. I was born with albinism, which uh, which is... Albino. Yes, he is, he's albino, mm -hmm. uh, which also affects the eyes and degrades visual acuity. Uh, our world is ever more evolving around, revolving around technology. My, my eyes can't keep up. This may seem like a minor hindrance, but it affects every aspect of, uh, of my role as a prospective employee. So Andrew writes, uh, of course, this makes choosing a career path that much more difficult, but I feel as if I have found some sort of direction. Since I was 14, I used cannabis to relieve my constant eye shaking and as a means of social communication. Uh, recently, I've been trying my hand at cultivation as the prices of this plant are too damn high. I've spent hours tediously manicuring my garden. The labor, though monotonous at times, is the most peaceful portion of my day. Due to the questionable legality of this plant, remember he is in Oklahoma, 
I sadly have no uh, objectivity into the cannabis world. Are there possibilities of employment in other states? I know legal with legalization, an actual market is finally developing. Um, I uh, Probably anyone who is into this cannabis movement would like to get rich growing it, but I honestly do not care about money. Having a career in cultivation or any other sector would give me an opportunity to actually feel productive in my life. What do you think? Wow. Um, interesting, interesting stuff. Um, basically, it sounds like he's looking for a job trimming buds um, because that's where he gets his, the most of his enjoyment. So uh, what I would say is you got to move. But to he's, he's, a, he's a grower here as well. He, it's his garden, he says. He right. spends hours tediously manicuring his garden. His but, garden, but the best time is the manicuring. Right, the, the most bud. peaceful portion and of I my think day. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he, because his he has issues with his eyes. Mm-hmm. I think having that bud, um, you know, close to his face and being able to trim that right right there is uh, part of what he enjoys about it. And and you know there are jobs in Colorado in you know coming up soon in Washington and of course now in Colorado you can get a badge. Um, you know, from their MED program and actually be a licensed trimmer and work at a dispensary all day, you know, with benefits and everything trimming. And I mean, I've seen that at River Rock and Pink House and and the clinic and all the big, you know, dispensaries have teams, teams of trimmers trimming all the time because they have so many rooms coming down, uh, you know, constantly. So, yeah, I mean, you can go there and I see them and I've met the trimmers. They're, you know, wonderful people who are working in the industry, getting paid and living the dream. I mean, that that's a job. Yeah, that's a dream job compared to what's out there as far as, uh, you know, fast food and things like that. I mean, trimming weed for a living is incredible. So that's I mean, that's my recommendation to you is is get yourself uh, to Denver or to Seattle or, you know, anywhere. Yeah. Le- first step is leave Oklahoma. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to, that's the industry you want to be a part absolutely. of. You're, it's not going to last long in Oklahoma for you because, uh, there's, you know, there's laws that <laughs> are preventing people from, from paying you to do that legally. So get yourself to a place where you can do it legally. And, you know, those jobs do exist. I've seen them. Uh, they're out there. I've I've even seen. I mean, that's a place where there's growth in jobs. Uh, at a time when you know we're kind of suffering from somewhat high unemployment, I have seen with my own eyes um, trimmers that are getting paid legitimately to basically manicure pot all day. All right. Well, thank you, Drew, for that letter. Uh, it was a little bit long, uh, but we we wanted to read that <coughs> on the show, and uh, and we wish you the best of luck. So, okay. You know what a big part of of growing is, is finding quality seeds. So why don't you tell us about our our next sponsor who could help people acquire those? Yeah, well, it's Gorilla Seed Bank. And they have all kinds of marijuana seeds from a bunch of the different companies that you've heard about on this show or you've read about in high times. Uh, Basically, you know, you name it, they have it. Uh, They have a special deal actually for free weed listeners if you mention this podcast when you order from gorilla seed bank you get five free big bang two seeds from feminized seeds while supplies last so check that out i mean that's pretty cool and they have 
a great Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash gorilla seeds. Now that's gorilla like the animal, G-O-R-I-L-L-A-S-E-E-D-S. And so that's their, uh, that's their Facebook page. And if you want to check them out, they are at www.gorilla-cannabis-seeds.co.uk. So, you know, ultra-fast shipping. They pretty much ship anywhere. Premium seeds with every order. Monthly prizes. Uh, great customer service and really good prices. So check out Gorilla Seed Bank. Thank you to Gorilla Seed Bank for sponsoring the podcast. We really appreciate the support. And we love it when our free weed listeners support our sponsors. So, like I said, check out Gorilla Seed Bank. Mention the podcast. Get those five free seeds and get growing. Do those things. Check out Gorilla Seed Bank. Very cool. Uh, that's, a, that's a newer sponsor. And we're happy to have them aboard. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's cool. We got a grow box sponsor. We got a, a seed company sponsor. We got a... Uh, vape pen sponsor it's like yeah, we're you know, across every, the board every aspect and, then, and there's also a travel sponsor that we'll mention later uh which is packages to the cannabis cup which is very exciting as well yeah soup to nuts we got it all right here free weed all right i'm gonna give you a chance to rant a little bit you want that sure all right this uh this email by the way we should have mentioned earlier uh, the way that you can have your question answered by dan on free weed is to email us at freeweed at hightimes.com and you could also get us on twitter he is at danny danko i am mike hughes underscore and hashtag free weed is always uh, valuable okay so dylan writes i have two blue dreams in the backyard uh their pots are two five gallon home depot buckets with four half dollar squares cut out uh the spikes on the leaves are wilting and browning also, I water them one to two cups of water once a day and two cups of miracle Grow tomato fert once a week. Is that enough? Too much? Please help, Dan. Way too much. Way too much from the sounds of it. Not enough water and way too much fertilizer. Uh, and as everyone knows, I do not support miracle Grow in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they're owned by Scots, which are the people who brought you basically... Agent Orange and all those other things, um, Monsanto, and basically everything that's evil in agriculture can be in, in, you know, basically encompassed by these companies, Monsanto, Scott's, miracle Grow, And I don't care that they put out an organic uh, soil product or whatever. If you, if you go to the Salton Sea in California, you can see the results of uh, factory farming runoff and what it does to the environment and for us to do it on a small scale sucks uh, they do it on a huge scale so it's much worse but I wouldn't support miracle Grow. if you can find something else please find something else uh, worm castings from like a mom-and-pop worm casting spot is great I mean there's there's so many other options and opportunities out there for plant foods that aren't as harsh. I mean, miracle Grow is very easy to overfeed with. It's obvious to me from your description that you've been using way too much of it. And that'll cause that wilting and browning he's talking about yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, that's fertilizer burn. It, it, it starts with the tips of the leaves and works its way up the leaves and eventually kills them. And like I always say, it's always better to underfeed than overfeed. If you do happen to overfeed, and this is something you're going to have to do, 
uh, is take those plants, run plain water through them, similar to flushing at the end of harvest, but you can do this anytime during the growth cycle if you feel like you have over fertilized, you know, put them in the bathtub, get the water to a nice, uh, you know, room temperature, not too cold, not too warm, and just run water through your grow medium until it's just pouring out of the bottom. You really want to just basically deplete your growing medium of any kind of nutrient and then start slowly with like quarter strength nutrient after that just to see if it bounces back and hopefully you'll see it green up and any of the new growth will be nice and uh and healthy and green and you can bounce back and uh you know it's tough but it's a lesson that you learn when you go overboard uh how far it takes and lots of grows that i see have those burnt tips that are indicative of slight fertilizer burn but it sounds to me like you've got pretty severe fertilizer burn so um, you know, flush the plants out with tons and tons of plain water and start over with an inert medium. All right. Well, thank you, Dylan, for writing in, and hopefully that helps you out going forward. Okay. Uh, let's go back again to uh, Corey, and he's got an interesting question. I've never heard this particular technique before, so let's get your take on it. Uh, hey, Danny D, I like to put cardboard circles in the bottoms of my jars. Uh, when my bud first goes in and there's a, still a little moisture deep inside the bud, my thoughts are that the cardboard will help soak up some of the moisture in between burps. Any drawbacks you could think from this, or is it a legit idea? Um, I wouldn't do it, personally. I think uh, the cardboard is going to impart a certain flavor to the buds. Um, you know, as the moisture is pulled out of the bud, um, so is whatever in that jar is pulled into the bud as well. So you're gonna get kind of that like cardboardy smell. This is one of the reasons I never liked uh, people using paper bags um, to dry their pot also, you know, like those uh, brown paper bags that people used back in the day. Um, somehow like that mustiness of the wet paper bag would infuse itself into the bud and it was just never as nice as buds that were just dried in a glass jar without uh, without any kind of cardboard or paper to absorb the moisture. If, if there's that much moisture, uh, honestly, just burp the jars more often and get that moisture out. Uh, you really don't need to, to pull the moisture out using cardboard. Um, like I said, I think cardboard imparts uh, a flavor to the pot that you can never really get out of it. All right, very cool. Uh, thank you, Corey. Um, I'm, I think we'll probably have another question from Corey before this episode is over. Uh, Thanks, Corey, man. I yeah. appreciate it. Too. Absolutely. All right. So let's. Uh, this one sort of ties back to uh, who was it? Uh, Dylan's question about the uh, the fertilizer over fertilization. This is a question from uh, Blue Ridge Grow, and uh, he is in what he calls the buckle of the Bible Belt. And his question is, he's a second-year grower with limited time and resources, and he'd like to simplify things a bit. His biggest issues have been with feeding. So uh, I either get too much or not enough. I'd like to know if you have any recommendations on a soil mix that would be all-in-one. Basically, he's looking for a, a mix that I could put my seedlings and clones in and grow them out without supplemental feeding, i.e. only use water. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's in a tough situation. If you do not have grow shops nearby and you're unwilling to order, uh, 
you know, grow materials through the mail, then, you know, you're kind of stuck with your sort of Home Depots and Lowe's and local hardware stores. And each one of them has different stuff. I mean, you can get uh, bales of ProMix uh, at a Home Depot and you can supplement that with things that you can find at the hardware store or at a Home Depot, depending on what they have. I mean, you know, I always go with whatever's organic. If they happen to have, you know, Alaska fish fertilizer, that always works uh, really great during the vegetative cycle um, when used properly. If they have uh, liquid seaweed, um, then I would use that. I would try, like I said earlier, I would try to avoid any sort of uh, miracle Grow type products, uh, which is very prevalent in those places. But um, yeah, I mean, there's also, you know, if you're willing to get online and order stuff, you really want something that uh, you really can just water in. I would go with Subcool Supersoil, which is available at tgasupersoil.com. I mean, that's really something where you really just add water for the whole growth cycle and you end up with really beautiful, amazing buds. Uh, it's pretty much, you know, foolproof. Uh, the only problem is, you know, you, you're going to have to go online and uh, find out where you can get it. Um, otherwise, like I said, you go to Home Depot, get a bale of Pro Mix, which is like a peat moss based uh, soilless mix. You can add uh, your own perlite to lighten it up, although it probably has some in there already. You can add green sand. You can add um, a number of things that you're going to find at the Home Depot to that to fortify it. And then it'll be something that you can use water in uh, primarily for the first few weeks. And eventually you're going to have to start adding some form of, of, uh, of nutrient. And like I you know, there are ways to get plant nutrients where you are. You just have to kind of reach out, um, do some searching, Googling and things like that. And you'll find that, uh, you'd be surprised that there's shops nearby that sell things that you might be interested in using on your plants. All right. And I mean, literally not uh, grow shops, but even places like nurseries that might have uh, a soil mix of their own that they sell. So, you know, look, reach out in your community to um, agricultural interests. And that is a good idea for someone who is in uh, what he describes as the buckle of the Bible belt. So uh, thank you, Blue Ridge Grow. We hope that information helps a little bit. And do check out um, that subcool soilless mix that's a that's an excellent solution to what your your problem is there okay so three quick things from our buddy grant uh he writes hey dd and mike here are some so uh, show suggestions he'd like to hear an interview with drew west uh who is the author of west coast masters right yeah we've had him on the show actually we uh interviewed him over the phone and he's uh participated in, in a couple of our panels yes uh, always... he's been on at least twice very mm -hmm. distinct voice yeah, and always had uh, some interesting things to say and great tips that I haven't heard anywhere else about increasing yield. So, uh, yeah, I think he's on a panel with me at the Seattle Cannabis Cup as well. He'll be either Saturday or Sunday, I'm not sure, but uh, either the 7th or the 8th of September, if you are in Seattle at our Cannabis Cup, you will get to see Drew West on our panel. And we're also doing both of those as live Freeweed episodes which we will eventually air. So uh, he will be on the show again, and I do appreciate the advice. Grant gets his wish. His wish is granted. And Grant also says, speaking of that upcoming uh, Cannabis Cup, 
Uh, he cannot make it. He is currently in Egypt. However, he purchased VIP tickets for his daughter, and she will be seeking you out, Dan, for a free weed sticker. So make sure to save her one of those. All right. I hope I have some with me. But uh, yeah, he said some interesting things about Egypt, too, in the email, right? Like, uh, you know, all we hear in the news is that things are really crazy over there. But he said it's not so bad or yeah, something. Yeah, he wrote here, uh, unfortunately, work has me in Egypt at the moment. And yes, the mainstream media has it looking much worse than it is. So Lamestream media. Yes, yes. <laughs> Lamestream media. But, but Grant continues in another email here. And this is interesting. Um, speaking of that upcoming High Times U.S. Cannabis Cup, uh, there is no mention that I could find of an area for medical marijuana patients. Of course, the upcoming Seattle Cup is the first uh, recreational pot cup in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's wondering, are, are medical patients in Washington between the ages of uh, 18 and 20 going to have an area at that cup? Absolutely, yes. If you are between the ages of 18 and 21, or 20, I guess, and you have a medical card, uh, or if you're over that age as well and you have a medical card, we have a medicating area um, reserved for patients um, with dispensaries set aside in there with their products uh, on display. And you'll be able to medicate in those areas. We also have a recreational area for anyone who is over 21 as well um, in a separate area. So uh, it's going to be a fun time. We're really looking forward to it. And like I said, if you're 21 and over, uh, you can go in the recreational area. And if you're 18 or over with a medical card, you can be in the medicating area. And there's going to be seminars. There's going to be great musical performance at the Wamu Theater with Slightly Stupid and Redman performing that Saturday night, the 7th. And, you know, tons of seminars, legal cultivation, uh, social media, activism. You know, we're really trying to touch upon all the uh, wonderful ways that you can participate in the cannabis community we are indeed so yeah if you haven't gotten your tickets yet if you are interested go to medcancup.com you know if you just want to check out that slightly stupid and red man concert you could buy a ticket individually for that i don't know why you would want to miss the the cannabis cup but if you want to you could just see the show right so check out the site and uh definitely come to seattle we're gonna be there mm -hmm. it's gonna be a great time looking use, forward to it use promo code danko d-a-n-k-o for 10 percent off of uh any one of those ticket packages as well yeah what are you uh what are you judging I am overseeing the judging of the U.S. hash competition. Ooh, U.S. hash. Yeah. Nice. Which, right. uh, which should be very interesting. Uh, different concentrates and, ha and solventless hashes from all over the U.S. And speaking of hash, why don't, we, why don't we take a quick listen to our next sponsor? Yeah. Next sponsor, I believe, is Mary Jane Tours and Entertainment. And let's check out what they have to say. What's going on everybody? It's your boy Chris James. Come out to Dab City, Colorado and book your tour special event today. Check them out at MaryJaneEntertainment.com. Sign up today and win a private party with the Dab Girls and me, Chris James. Come dab with me in the Mary Jane party bus. Dab City? Yeah. Cool stuff. I mean, they got... Uh, they got Denver on lockdown as far as cannabis tourism goes. It's pretty cool. Luxury limousines and all kinds of interesting uh, varied tours that you can take in Denver of the industry. And I predict that there's going to be a huge influx of people. I mean, there already has been 
uh, but people moving to these states, Colorado and Washington, uh, it's happening already, but I think, you know, the floodgates are open now. They are, absolutely. And also, that's the first um, ad that one of our advertisers put together for us to play on free weed. So that's kind of cool. That's Usually cool. we do the ads, right. you know. Yeah, we do live reads, but that was a, a monumental uh, uh, new. Yeah. Produced out of house for the first time. So awesome. very cool. Well, yeah. thank you to Mary Jane Tours and thanks for the support for the podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate all our sponsors. Absolutely. All right. Look, we are about an hour in. We got about 15 minutes. So why don't we try and buzz through as many of these questions as we can? Let's do it. Before wrapping it up with Raw. Let's do it. Okay. This one is from Fog. Dear Danny and Mike, love the show. I look forward to every episode to help carry me through the lifeless train ride into the city. Wow. Yeah. It's Kafka esque. <laughs> uh, also, I wanted to say thank you for your support of the cannabis movement and uh, for having the courage to go out there for the people who don't. My question is Are there products that allow you to self your strains? I don't know what that is. To quote self your mm -hmm. strains. Uh, what does this do genetically to your seeds, if anything? This also might be a good future podcast topic. What do you think, Dan? Yeah. I mean, uh, Long story short, there are products out there. Uh, Tiresia, Tiresias Mist uh, comes to mind that allow you to self your plants. And uh, selfing is basically a process where you take a female plant, uh, you spray it with something, uh, typically gibberellic acid, and it freaks the plant out. It turns a female plant into a hermaphrodite. And thus, uh, the male pollen, which isn't actually male pollen, but... Uh, pollen produced by a female that's been shocked into hermaphrodism uh that pollen when used on that female plant will actually produce feminized or hermaphrodite seeds so you cannot get a male plant out of a seed that's been uh selfed basically so um that's a short description of what selfing is and why anyone would want to do it is based on the idea that uh, it's a way to take something that's clone only, you know, only available in female form, and get a representation, some sort of a genetic representation of it in seed form. And then, hopefully, you know, if you're a uh, quality breeder using the offspring of that to select for better breeding material that you're going to use in order to create a seed strain of that clone only strain now it's still only going to be a representation of that clone only strain because you've crossed a plant with itself you've messed with its genetics somewhat so it's a representation of that clone only strain um, if you put the two side by side and grew them out you'd find some differences uh, probably not so much in how it smells and how it tastes but probably in how long the potency lasts and things of that nature certain things that are inherent within genes that haven't been messed with in that way uh, a lot of people sort of poo-poo on this whole thing because they're against feminized seeds i think there's a place for feminized seeds there's a place for autoflowering seeds in our culture and in cannabis growing i just hope that that's not what we end up with uh only and i do think the only way you can find really truly new genetics is by popping regular seeds and most quality breeders even those that produce autoflowering and feminized strains will agree with that so yes there's products out there you can make them yourself as well 
Uh, basically, the key ingredient is gibberellic acid, and what it does is uh, freaks out a female into growing quote-unquote male flowers. And yeah, then gets all Rocky Horror Picture Show on those flowers. So we had shocking, now we have selfing. Very <laughs> exciting. Um, all right, well, cool. Thank you, Fog, for writing that in. That's, that's one that I have not heard too much about before. And uh, let's jump right on to Dion, and this is another thing that I don't understand, so let's get Dan's advice on it. Uh, greetings from Cape Town, South Africa. That's cool. I wow. love the podcast. The cultivation sections are amazing. Nice. I especially enjoy the rare info and insight on growing sativas and growing organically. Uh, I would love to hear if you have any ideas about using permaculture or other forms of companion planting to see other plants besides beneficial fungi provide cannabis with pest repellent, uh, beneficial insect attractant, and other beneficial qualities. It's a topic that is frustratingly scarce, uh, sorry, frustratingly scarcely covered in permaculture literature. So what do you, what do you think? What is this permaculture that he's referring to? Uh, well, permaculture is a way of growing that basically I, I speak about a lot actually because uh, it's about having a living soil and sustaining it and adding to it. And basically... Uh, my idea of it is top dressing with compost so that you really don't have to do a lot of digging. You put the compost on top uh, of your soil outdoors and you let the worms do the digging for you because they'll come up for the compost and then they'll go back down and they'll create all of those little nooks and crannies and, and places for oxygen and water to reach roots. And if you do that over and over and over, you really end up with what we call loam which is basically that uh, sort of chocolate cake-like soil that you can sink right into when you step on it. and Sounds delicious. <laughs> I wouldn't eat it, but what's cool is it's living. The beneficial bacteria are in there. Um, all kinds of microbes are helping you repel pests, helping break down nutrients into uh, smaller particles so they can be absorbed by the roots. Um, there's a ton of healthy biological activity going on there. I've been really excited about something called Terra Preta. Actually, it's T-E-R-R-A-P-R-E-T-A. -E um, you guys can look that up on Wikipedia, but it's like soil that actually gets better over time. Um, not even soil. It's like this sort of carbon-based um, dark earth um, that actually improves itself over time. It's very interesting, and there's ways to produce it uh, and I think that there's there's a future for that as well. He also asked about companion planting, right? He did, yes. Okay, cool. Um, it, part of permaculture is using plants, uh, you know, nearby each other that help do certain things for each other. And as far as cannabis goes, particularly outdoors, there's a few companion plants that work well. Um, marigolds are great. Um, they definitely keep white flies away. So if you have a problem with white flies, Mar white flies hate marigolds, hate the odor of them. So, um, you know, put some marigolds nearby and you can avoid having to deal with white flies. Peppermint is really good for aphids. Um, they just, for some reason, they don't like the smell of it. They don't like to crawl on it. So peppermint works well. And uh, dill, which, you know, I'm Russian by birth, so I love my dill. Um, <laughs> dill actually helps discourage spider mites. So... Um, it's not going to get rid of an infestation, but if you plant dill outdoors near 
your outdoor cannabis plants, you're less likely to have a spider mite infestation because they just don't like dill. Uh, whatever the terpene profile of dill might be, uh, mites are uh, repelled by it. So uh, companion planting is great. Permaculture is an amazing way to grow. Uh, producing a living soil and reusing it time and time again is really the ideal way to grow any sort of garden. And of course, cannabis is similar to any other vegetable or flower or fruit that you might grow. So uh, yeah, I love the idea of permaculture and I love uh, companion planting. It's a little more difficult to do uh, indoors, but there are certain plants like nasturtiums where you can actually use them to pull mites away from uh, diseased plants as well. So yeah. That sounds good. It seems like it's all about symbiotic relationships with permaculture and companion planting. So thank you, Dion. It's good to know people are listening down in Cape Town, South Africa. How yeah. cool is that? So cool. And I see that on the SoundCloud stats. I mean, people are listening to us from all over the world. Uh, and shout outs to all you guys out there. I mean, some of the craziest countries I could not, not crazy, but some yeah. of the... You know. I know what you mean. Like uh, countries you <laughs> wouldn't necessarily expect to be listening to a program called Free Weed, like right. Saudi Arabia right. and things like that. Well, yeah. we appreciate it. We love the support uh, worldwide. Um, tell your friends, you know, check us out. It's free. You know, you have to listen to a few ads, but hopefully you're learning some information that's going to help you grow more cannabis and have bigger yields and heavier harvests. That is the plan. All right, let's do a couple of quick ones here. Our guy Corey writes again. Um, this is basically a complaint about the uh, <laughs> the frequency with which we post. Uh, he says our episodes are pretty important and they are relevant to what I'm trying to accomplish. Uh, I understand you're very busy, but the podcast is important to a lot of people, entertainment-wise and education-wise. Uh, check daily to see if new episodes have come out and your listeners do the same. I think you and Mike are doing a great job. I just want more consistency. <laughs> you know. Yeah, man. I I agree. We're... <laughs> We're trying our best to turn, uh, you know, this show and a few of the other uh, entities that we have into an actual podcasting network. Uh, it's taking some time because we have other stuff we got to do. Uh, Mike does a ton of stuff with HighTimes.com and our videos and other audio for different shows. I got a ton of stuff I got to do as far as the magazine goes and so we try and you know any kind of support that we get from you guys, any words of encouragement. Uh, that definitely goes a long way to making sure that uh, we keep putting these episodes up. And ultimately, we want to get to a point where, you know, we're doing the show weekly. I mean, that's the idea. So, uh, yeah, man, I appreciate it. I really I understand, you know, that people want more information and, uh, it, you know, we're not we're not putting it yeah. out. It's important to us, too. And we we understand. So we're we're doing our best. And actually, this episode is a good example of us trying a different approach. We have not cut this episode. This is all just us uh, off the cuff, on the yeah. fly. So, yeah, and that'll make it easier, you right. know, ultimately uh, for whoever has to stitch these things together and put them up. Uh, and the ultimate goal is hopefully to do uh, shows live at some point. Absolutely. All right, just real quick here, Mark. Uh, has a suggestion for future episodes. He'd like to hear an entire episode on hash making, maybe even a panel of hash makers. That's a cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, you know, concentrates, solventless hash, uh, whatever you want to call it, ice wax, bubble hash, uh, BHO, 
dabs, globs, uh, all that stuff is really, <laughs> all that stuff is, uh, is very popular these days. There's a lot of uh, people online talking all kinds of stuff about it, um, good and bad. So yeah, we, we do want to do that and that's in our plans for the future. So thanks for that suggestion. And, uh, you know, we've have covered hash on various episodes, but we do plan on, uh, on an all hash episode at some point in the near future. Yeah, so keep an ear out for that one. All right, Eric, uh, he writes, uh, <coughs> Eric is in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, he's a chef that loves to medicate. His whole family loves to medicate. Um, but his question is, can you guys help me get an inexpensive grow box and some OG seeds? I don't have thousands of dollars to, to do that. Uh, thank you for everything you guys do. That is uh, Eric and family. What do you think? Inexpensive grow box and OG seeds for Eric. Well, I think maybe our sponsors could help with that. Yeah, I mean, OG... Well, maybe BC is a little more on the expensive side. Is there a, a less expensive grow box you could think of? There is. I mean, the we've seen grow boxes for as low as $420. Uh, and, you oh, what know, a coincidence. <laughs> That's weird. 420 huh? Yeah, yeah, we've seen it. And um, the thing is, I mean, you're going to spend less. You're going to make compromises as far as what uh, they're capable of, of accomplishing. I mean... All of them have, you know, automation where the lights uh, are on timers and they turn on and off when you want them to. Uh, but, you know, there's certain things that you get when you spend a little more money. And here's one point I'll make. Uh, a grow box eventually ends up paying for itself. Uh, it could happen on the first harvest. It could happen on the fifth harvest. But ultimately, even a $4,000 grow box is going to pay for itself in the cost of what you're spending, whether you be uh, purchasing buds from a dispensary or from, you know, I don't know, a coffee shop or from the black market, wherever it might be, you're probably spending 150 to $450, at, depending on where you live, uh, for every ounce that you smoke. Uh, you can produce those ounces for much cheaper in a grow box. A lot of grow box companies actually offer financing. So you can literally not pay for the grow box for six months uh you know put it on a credit card or something like that um that's another way you can create financing for yourself if you have good credit uh and you have open credit on your card put it on a credit card um you know pay back the credit card month to month and eventually that grow box that you you know you put that down payment on will be paying for itself uh, a lot better than a deadbeat roommate might you know or somebody who basically just keeps raiding your fridge and not paying rent. So fair point. Yeah. A lot of the companies these days have these payment plans and ways that you can not have to spend that, you know, three or four or five grand or whatever, right up front. So look into that. There's payment plans. There's, uh, no payments for six months. There's financing all kinds of ways that you can purchase a grow box without having to lay out a ton of cash. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for that question, Eric and family out in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We appreciate that. And uh, what I got here in my hand is the final question for episode 42. And we're going to give it to Corey once again, our guy, Corey. Now he writes, and this is another harvesting question, but it's a little different. So this is a, uh, this is Corey. Um, I've heard you explain, let me start that again. <laughs> I've heard you explain many times about the harvesting process and cutting the branches off and hanging them. Everyone seems to condemn the method of cutting the bud off the stem and letting it dry in hanging baskets. This is the method that I use, and it has worked very well for me. 
Uh, am I losing anything like aroma, terpenes, potency, or taste? This method is very diff very efficient, and it allows me to manicure my buds while they're still wet, which makes them more presentable in the end. What are your thoughts on this? Now that's interesting. I have not I've not uh, heard too many people try this method. Yeah, it's also um, it's not something I recommend. I I believe in uh, the slowest drying being the best uh, end result. So. What happens when you hang the plant up, uh, you know, hang each branch up, there's just more moisture that has to come out of each branch. If you take uh, the individual buds off, they're going to dry out quicker and they're going to end up basically having some of that like chlorophylly type taste uh, within them. They're not going to burn properly. Uh, so yeah, I prefer having those branches there. A lot of the moisture is in those branches. It's going to work its way out through the buds slower, which I believe, uh, and most believe, uh, removes some of that chlorophylly kind of green taste that you're going to get, uh, with quick dried buds. So my recommendation is, uh, either trim the bud, the branches, trim the buds on the branches and hang them up or hang them up and trim after. Uh, I've seen both ways work, and um, the key is basically to get that moisture out, but not in three or four days. You know, you want it to take uh, at least about you know seven days or so, five to seven days minimum, to get that initial you know sixty percent or so uh, water out, and then you can cut those individual buds off and put them into jars to begin the curing process to get that last 15% uh, or so of moisture out and then basically be left with about a 25% moisture ratio which is right in there about perfect uh, in my opinion. So now what do you think about manicuring the wet buds? Are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah I am because I, th I, I think it gets a little harder to manicure uh, if you let the buds hang uh, with all the fan leaves and, and all the uh, trim leaves and everything because they end up kind of curling in onto the bud and it makes it a little more difficult to get in there and trim those off. It's a little easier to do when they're sticking straight out. Uh, and as long as you hang the branches after you've trimmed them, uh, you'll end up with a slow enough drying process that uh, that it won't it won't make much of a difference. I've met other people, you know, even Soma, who's been on the show, he'll dry it with all that leaf on it and then basically use his fingers to remove the fan leaves and some of that uh, sugar leaf off. So, you know, there's there's two different schools as far as that goes, but I would certainly dry buds uh, on full on whole branches and it's really up to you whether you want to take those leaves off uh, beforehand or after you know the drying process is somewhat complete and you're ready for curing all right cool thank you Corey, for that and dan that was 25 questions from free weed listeners that's awesome that felt pretty good yeah absolutely i appreciate uh, all the support we're getting you guys are rad uh i'm glad you're growing i'm glad the show helps in any way possible and yeah pretty yeah. awesome well now we're, we're wrapping it up with raw at this particular moment and, uh, and, and that's something we do af uh, at the end of every show. And uh, basically, we are both uh, very shortly leaving for the, uh, the Pacific Northwest. Seattle the Cannabis Cup, yeah. September 7th and 8th, medcancup.com. 
Slightly Stupid, Red Man, uh, Celebration of Cannabis. That's right. going to be awesome. We hope to see you guys uh, out there. We're going to be doing some live free weeds at the uh, Fremont Studios. Is Absolutely. The venues, uh, Saturday name. and Sunday at 3 p.m. with uh, uh, different panels each day. Yes, indeed. And uh, I don't know. What else you got? Uh, I just want to thank our sponsors, man. BC Northern Lights, Power Pen, Gorilla Seed Bank, Mary Jane Tours and Entertainment. Um, Boston Freedom Rally is the weekend after Seattle Hemp Fest. I mean, I'm sorry, after our Seattle Cup, uh, and that is September 14th and 15th. Very excited about that. The first time that's a two-day event, so all my uh, East Coast homies, uh, I will see you at that Boston Freedom Rally, September 14th and 15th in Boston on Boston Common, and excited for that. I think it's the 22nd Boston Freedom Rally. So, That's exciting. 22 yeah. Boston Freedom. And they're, they're making some big uh, strides up there as far as a uh, medical pot and dispensaries, I hear. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, definitely, you know, New England is, is one of those hotbeds now with Rhode Island and, and Maine and Massachusetts and Connecticut, uh, even Vermont and New Hampshire in the mix. So, yeah, man, shout outs to all my uh, New Englanders. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, shout out to them. All right, well, thank you all. Uh, we really enjoyed doing this free weed without a net. That was a uh, wire to wire, completely uh, unedited. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope we weren't too frustrating to listen to. No, and we wrapped it up with raw papers here at the end. We did. Episode number forty-two is uh, wrapped up with raw papers. <laughs> Oh, we are doing so good. Yes, it is done. (laughs) Hey, man. Thanks for the support. See you in Seattle. See you in Boston. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Keep on growing. Free weed. Hashtag free weed. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Vine, Google Plus.